Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care, featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more, bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Well, 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 welcome back to this great edition of Climb to Your Prime with Dr. Haim. I announced it. We've talked about it a month and a half ago. This is a special day, really special. As you might remember, about a month and a half ago, we had uh, our recurring show, and we had introduced the idea that Dr. Haim will be visiting us in New York, and he is here with his lovely wife, Dr. Caroline Haim. And this is, again, a special edition because we are doing a book launch. And we're going to talk about that book and the content. And it is an important topic. Everybody, everybody has a relationship somehow, somewhere. <laughs> and relationship can be difficult, can be painful. And we want them to work. And today we're going to talk to the experts about their study and their book and how this book can make a difference in relationships building, relationship maintain maintenance, and all of the above. So without any further ado, first things first, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Hurricane. <laughs> it's so great to be here in New York City. It certainly is. Thank well, you. Well, listen, I am honored to have you in my <laughs> presence physically. I mean, we've been doing this, what, two and a half years, and literally we've been doing the future and the present kind of concept because I'm usually doing this at night. It's the past for them. It's the future there. And we always have the discussion about how it's the future. We can't do that today. We can't do that today because we're <laughs> the in future the present will be together. No. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. So, so resilient relationships. That's two big words. I mean, relationships I introduced, but resilience. Resilience. Mm. Uh, before we get into that, let's talk about the concept of relationships. I mean, everybody has one. I don't care with your parents, with your kids, with your friends, your colleagues, but most importantly, with your intimate, you know, friends or, or whatever you want to call them these days, you know, there's a lot. So you can be married, you can be significant other, it can be anything. But so let's talk about relationships. So Hurricane, a relationship basically is life. Life is lived in and through relationships. In a way, we can track how our life goes through our relationships. We start off in relationship with our parents. Then we have relationships with friends, school peers. Then we find a love relationship. Then we start a family of our own. And at work, it's all relationship. What makes life good or not is a quality of our relationships. Wow. <laughs> well, so, so, so let's talk about this. Why is it that people have difficulty with relationships? Yeah, there are a few things going on, Hurricane. Firstly, it's difficult in life anyway, because we all want to be ourselves, yet we all want to be in relationship. So that's a tension right there. Can we be ourselves and in relationship? And that's always been a tension. However, in this wonderful world that we live in at the moment, we want to be ourselves more and the world encourages us to be ourselves more, which means that relationships sometimes take a back seat when they need a lot more work. 
especially in the world of hyper-individualism. In yeah. hyper-individualism, that's yes. right. When everyone has certain ideas about what they, how they do life, how they want to live life, and then another person comes in the scene and it, it's, it's hard to manage and negotiate. Yeah, so I'll just look at that word hyper-individualism at the moment. Individualism, we know, it means being ourselves. But hyper-individualism is being ourselves in overdrive, on steroids, all the time, which means that relationships tend to fail if we don't put a bit more work into them. Well, so that's the part that's difficult, right? That's put right. It to work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's right. it's it, work. It is. <laughs> work. It is super work. I mean, uh, anyone who's been out there, I mean, again, we can talk from the moment we're born and, and we're growing, there's a relationship there. And then it gets, you know, more complicated as we get into the older ages. And here's the thing. Today, there is some crazy statistics, yeah. you know, of divorce or, or relationships that don't make it. Yeah. And you're talking about individualism, you know. And so everybody is looking at the best, you know, what's in it for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm it. This is about me, more, most of the stuff. So there's a relationship here. It may work. It may not work because everybody's pulling, you know, as we say, arm's length, uh, arms length in relationship or like relation, whatever uh, transactions are. And that's really difficult because if there is no, I would say, compromise and kind of synergy, it have a, we have a problem. Yeah. And, and by the way, guys, uh, you're watching. I have the two Dr. Himes here <laughs> <laughs> and, and they've been married for a long time. Now, just understand that it is work to be done. I, I have seen uh, a lot of couples that are been married for 50 and 60 years, believe it or not, and you ask them and they'll tell you it's not easy. It takes a lot of give and take. This is not something like an overnight, you know, we're just going to love each other and it's cool and we're going to make it happen and it's over. Most people, as soon as they get some firewalls, I would call them in life, <laughs> or some blockades or some problems in life, financial or otherwise, you know, it becomes a destruction. It becomes bad. So, so doctors, let's talk about that. I mean, mental health is a big piece of this, right? And the good and the bad. When something happens, why is it that people immediately tend to blame each other? Okay. Okay. So let's go back to why we uh, wrote this book in the first place. Mm -hmm. and, and that actually has to do with mental health. That one of the big reasons why mental health is not as healthy as it could be these days is because our relationships are just coming down. Relationships are harder to keep together. And if we had better relationships, then our mental health would be better. So, so that put us on a, uh, on a way of um, interviewing people to see what they did well. Because we tended to know people who'd been together, what, 40, 50 years yeah. in their lives? Mm -hmm. And so we came across this idea that we better find out what they were doing right before they leave this place, all right? Yeah, absolutely. To capture some of their wisdom, some of their insights, because a lot of people look at what's going wrong in relationships. A lot of um, any of the couple's research looks at, you know, what happened in the divorce and what happened and what, what went wrong. But we wanted to look at what went right. So um, take a really positive approach and look at thriving couples and say, okay, what are they doing right? How did they manage to stay together for 40 plus years when a lot of people today can't stay together for 40 days and are quite actually in <laughs> yeah. awe of these couples, which is, is, is really wonderful to see in some of the younger couples that we interviewed, some of their questions. So um, yeah, and say, okay, this is what works. And, you know, can you apply those principles to your life? Yeah. So, so let's talk about some of the things that work. <laughs> you know, that in your, I guess, questioning and, and, and the findings, what are some of the key elements or key tools that make a relationship work? 
Okay, so we actually need to go back to the original question, Sen. So um, what we did, we interviewed 1,402 couple, uh, mm. people, coupled individuals, sorry, let me make that clear, coupled individuals worldwide in 52 different countries. And um, so what we wanted to do is find out how they thrive, but we thought, well, do young people really want to know this, you know? So what we did first is we we surveyed 290 younger couples and said, okay, if you could ask uh, people married 40 plus years a question, what would it be? And so we came up with five questions and then we asked the uh, actually 923 couple and individuals that have been married 40 plus years those questions. So that the, the younger couple's questions were really interesting and the older couple's responses were really fascinating too. Yeah. So we created a bit of a dialogue. We had the younger people say, what do you want to know? Because these people have been together more than 40 years and if they're doing something right, and we believe that they are, yeah. then they've got insights that we can pass on. So w were, were they accepting of those things? I mean, you know, sometimes the younger generation may not be as open to people's experiences because they want to experience themselves. Yeah, yeah. And that, that in a way is, is the crux of the matter. Can you actually make a relationship work and be yourself in this hyper-individual age? So this book is basically written for couple therapists. So helping people who want their uh, relationship to last. And it has insights as to how people can do that. And this is the way we did it. As Caroline said, uh, we looked at people who were doing well in their relationship and we said, okay, so what are the ingredients that make your relationship do well? And I'm going to let Caroline talk about some of those top uh, ingredients, but <laughs> the idea is if you can get these happening in your relationship, then your relationship, even in this hyper-individual world, can last the distance. So the secret sauce. Okay. The secret okay. Sauce. All right. We're, get, get we're, getting, we're getting there. There you go. Let's do this. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really surprising because we, you know, uh, relationships are very fluid. There's all sorts of different approaches to relationships today. So when we asked the younger couples, you know, what, what questions would you ask? And it was all anonymous. The number one question the younger couples wanted to know was, what is your secret? How do, how do you do it? How do you stay together that long? That's the first question they asked. The second one was, um, is the spark still there? <laughs> um, and how, are you, yeah, are you still sexually active, you know, after 60 and when you're old and grey? Some really funny questions there. And the third one was um, about arguing. How do you stop arguing? The fourth one was really fascinating because it was uh, – how, don't you get bored? Aren't you like bored at, at you know, 30 years into your marriage? And yeah, in, people want to have fun. They, they, and it was they about fun. fun. How, how, how do you have, are you still having fun? And interestingly, in the 450,000 word transcript that we wrote of the interviews, there was so, so much data there. The word boredom was not used once in the older couples. So it's, it's, it wasn't such an issue. But yeah, so the number one question they wanted to ask um, overwhelmingly, and this is, this is great because they did want their relationships to last, was what is the secret? What is the glue? How do you do it? So, so this is a big deal, right? Because boredom, right? Most people think that, you know, when it's park and it's brand new and fresh, it's exciting. But as time goes on, you know, it gets really just monotonous. It's just a regular yeah. life, you know. Hey, hi, how you doing? I mean, we have jokes about those and you see them in movies, you know, yeah. or even on, on, on the social media today where, you know, they show you like year one excitement, year two, year three, you know, pajamas, you know, whatever, you know, and everybody's. And those are like funny things, but, but it's reality, right? People it's sometimes real. tend to get to that, you know, it's all good. You know, mm -hmm. nothing is the same. But, but you, you want to keep somewhere 
in there that spark you know your vacation yeah. you do certain things together yeah. you hang out date night is is not a, a tradition it's actually it is a tradition and it should remain i mean some people do that religiously and you know uh, i actually i do it <laughs> i can say you know we have our movie night and dinner and, and yeah. all that and it keeps things going when we travel believe it or not i can tell you this my wife and i when we go uh, on trips they think we just got married and I'm like, we're 21 year, years, oh, <laughs> you know, in this. And, you know, really, yes. And, and it's not because of anything. It's because we try to do that together mm -hmm. and enjoy. And we have a lot of similarities. Like we, we do see things together. Like we, have, we love fitness. We love things. We love to travel. And that's, that's some of the things. And so I think couples in general have to find, you know, someone that's compatible to yeah. start with. I think one of the issues that I, I see happening is that people are not getting together for the right reasons, I guess. You know, I think it gets, you know, you meet someone, it's it looks good, you know, and it's nice for the beginning, but that's about it. There's no real, I guess, me to it. Yeah. And the reason is really fluff and it gets yeah. really done before it starts. Yeah. 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 So uh, in sharing about your relationship, you're letting us know what goes right. You do the date light night, you go on trips and you look like a newly married couple. And that's actually why we looked at couples who were thriving because in this cohort of people, uh, more than 50% had divorced. Okay, So we decided to look at the people who were together to see what they were doing right. Uh, because when you look at people who have broken apart, they have the same sort of stories. The arguing, and you know what? People who stay together, they argue too. Yes, as right? we found. Yeah, Sometimes we found. <laughs> right through the interviews, they argued. That was interesting. Uh, yeah, in fact, let's talk Couples about therapy. Let's talk <laughs> well, about it arguing. almost became that way in the interviews because we did 90 interviews worldwide. Yeah, um, yeah, because there's this perception out there yeah. that if you argue, there's something wrong in your relationship. But that's actually not what we found. What we found Perfect. about arguing. Yeah, yeah. And I actually thought with that generation that, you know, it was a no-no arguing. But, yeah, so 10% 10, 10 of the couples... Um, uh, argued regularly and still did. And as I said, three couples argued right the way through the interviews. And these were couples that had been married 50, 60, even 70 years. Ooh, okay. Nice. So, um, yeah, the, the longest married couples married from Bulgaria, actually, 73 years, which is such a privilege to interview them. He was 100. <laughs> wow, God bless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so that's 10% argued regularly and, and 10% never argued, not one argument in their whole marriage. And then that everyone sort of else was in between. But 84% of the couples said that they actually argued. Yeah, and I, I just got to emphasize that because the take-home message is there's no right or wrong rule. Yeah. There's no rule that says arguing is good or bad. There's no rule that says that you've got to not argue. It works differently for different people. And that was actually one of the big take-home messages, that if you want your relationship to, ask, uh, to last, be yourself and find a way to work it yourself. Mm. Well... I, listen, by the way, I want to, just a disclaimer, we do argue, <laughs> just for just those people that are just watching right now, it's not always peachy, folks, and, you know, and, and I agree <laughs> that, that there are times where we don't have, we don't see eye to eye, we don't have the same, you know, decision, uh, or, or whatever we are trying to plan, maybe we have a difference of opinion, and we agree to disagree sometimes, but, but that's part of it, it's the idea is like, well, when to also give up or give in, those are some some tools that I use. You know, not. I mean, we heard the expression um, "happy wife, happy life." You know, I think the other way works as well. <laughs> but but that that's the whole concept. Sometimes uh, you know you gotta give in and okay, whatever. You know, maybe next time. You don't always win. That's the other thing. I think when we have that 
it's all about me and I always have to be to have the upper, you know, you know, uh, the, the, the final decision or the final word, it becomes a problem. I think that's really sometimes where it gets, you know, very hairy. Yeah. yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting because um, all of the couples had different techniques and we took some of their techniques and put them in the book, um, combined with Christian's 20 years of psychiatry experience to form techniques um, for couple therapists to use. But there was a lovely couple from Zimbabwe. Um, they were dancers, both of them, and um, professional dancers. And they still practice and they're 60 years married, uh, Bruce and Susan. And they said that that what they do when they dance is they have to dance each other's steps to learn the techniques correctly. And that they use that in their arguing too. So um, uh, they stop and they say, okay, what's your point of view? And and started seeing it from the other person's point of view and they actually dance each other's arguments, I guess, or, or point of views. Um, and so that became one of the techniques that we used. Yeah, yeah. So that arguing isn't two people against each other, but it's a emotionally charged conversation to show that you're passionate about something, but you also want to understand the other person's point of view. So there's, there's, I actually, I just had a, literally a show about a week ago or two weeks ago, and it was similar in a discussion about relationships. And, and yeah. part of the discussion was about operating as a business entity, as a couple. Is that even a thing? Because, because the way, and I, I kind of, I liked some of the stuff that we had in that discussion is because we had the concept of you cannot do 50-50 because that's the thing. It's really 100%, 100%. Yeah. You know, so, so did you find, by the way, I, you, you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned different couples from different parts of the world and definitely different cultures. Yeah. You know, so, so let's talk about the concept of meeting in the middle or like having like a full concept of 100%, 100% or beyond. And then also talking about the diversity in cultures and does that also have a difference in the relationship? Because sometimes maybe culturally, religiously, there is some rules that people oh, yeah. apply versus in some more open, I guess, you know, cultures where there is no, none of those restrictions or taboos. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so the idea of uh, being a team all right, so teamwork came in at number nine of our top 17 uh, things <laughs> to Secrets, bring people, yeah. <laughs> people together. Teamwork. But the idea of teamwork uh, is a little bit different than in a business because in a business, uh, the aim is to make money and to keep the business going. Mm. So in a relationship, uh, the idea is to keep the relationship going because you both win if the relationship keeps going, but you both lose if it, uh, if it falls down. So the idea is how can we make sure that we're doing things to take care of the relationship? And I suppose it's a bit like saying taking care of the business itself. But uh, the dynamic is, is a lot more caring. There's, there's that feeling of what's called attachment underneath. So that when you're together with somebody for such a long time, you actually are attached to them in such a deep way that you can't even express. And uh, as a couple therapists, what I found is rarely do people um, split because they don't love each other anymore. What actually happens is they love each other, but they've gone through so many problems and there's been so much hurt that they don't know how to get past all of that. But the love, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the um, many couples um, said, said that um, the adversity that they went through yeah. strengthens the commitment or strengthens the love. So many of them actually said that. Okay, now I, I've got to actually go on that point because yeah. that's actually a very important one because when you have a relationship that goes for a certain amount of time and then you get problems and you want to fall apart, 
some of the couples told us that, no, 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 that's when you want to keep going because that's when you're going to get to the goal. That's when you're going to find out that you can actually rely on each other and that there's a much deeper uh, relationship there and attachment than you actually realize. And it's only going through the hard stuff that you go, wow, you're actually on my side. And one of the couples actually said that um, they believe that the young, younger couples are being shortchanged because they're not going through the hard bits. They leave um, when it gets hard. They're not going through the hard bits to get to the gold at the end. Yeah. 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 So that, that, that kind of sums up the number one thing that uh, people say. Number one secret, which yeah, I still, we're, we're we still haven't told you. <laughs> we haven't told you. And I, I, I sort of thought that there might be a few people hanging out there, so I thought I'd get back to it. Yeah. But the number one secret was? Commitment. It is commitment. Now, but we've got to say what commitment is <laughs> because it sounds like, okay, uh, commitment is saying that we're going to stay together forever, okay? But commitment is not a one-off I do sometime in the past. That's not commitment. Commitment is showing that you are available on a day-to-day -day basis, that I'm going to be there with you, I'm available to you, and you can communicate with me anytime you want. So... Commitment's a daily thing, not just a one-off in it, the past. It's the real presence. I mean, it's you're, the you're in for the duration. Yes. Right? Well, that's right. <laughs> I mean, what, but, but isn't that what the vows are about? You know, and everybody's yeah. committing to those words. You know, I mean, first they are words. I mean, it's really action speaks louder than words. So yeah. You, yeah. you want to make sure that you get in there. Uh, but, but that's the thing. Adversity happens. Yeah. And are they willing to continue? Through those, yeah, and I think that's yeah. really the big divider in terms of whether yeah. someone can make it, or sometimes they just like, oh, this is as you said, they get to a point it's just too much, and yeah. they, yeah, the love is there, but it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and and that's the question now, love. Yeah, how important is that? I mean, I know it sounds okay. very important okay. because that is because a lot of you know, I guess when someone is new, and they they really enjoy that 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 their partners, yeah. they they're so excited about it. That's what we refer to as love. Yeah. But yeah. is that really what it is? From, okay. from a psychiatry perspective. Okay, <laughs> so, so love was secret ingredient number seven, all right? Mm. Wow. But, 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 yeah, here's, but we had to go into a definition of what love actually is. Mm. And quite frankly, scientifically, we've got ideas, all right? Uh, and this, is, this, this brings up your idea of culture because love actually looks different in different cultures. Mm -hmm. Love expressed in Japan is very different to love expressed in New York City, which is very different to love uh, expressed in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. yeah. But underlying love is this idea of attachment, that at a very biological level, we need each other, that we, that we feel each other's presence and that we naturally want to bond with people who are close to each other. So how that gets expressed in each different culture is a cultural thing. But that underlying attachment is this bond that happens simply because we are social creatures, we need each other, and we want to be with each other. And here's the thing, we want to be with each other even if it hurts. That's where it's difficult. That's difficult. Yeah. That's right. yeah. People don't want to get, you know, pain, and I think that's when yeah, it gets. Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. But but then then doctors, there's there's the concept of selecting the right partner. Yes. Now, you don't know who that partner is. Sometimes that's that's a big challenge, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you meet someone. Uh, sometimes people hide who yep, they really right. are until it's too late. Too late. Mm -hmm. And you're maybe now you have kids or whatever, and then the true nature of whatever a person yeah. comes on. What did you find in terms of the, 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 I guess, the studies? Okay, so what we studied was uh, 
what happened when people were together. So in other words, given that people had already found each other, that we wanted to see what went right in the relationships that continued rather than what went wrong or was it down to partner selection? Because mm. partner selection is what we spend a lot of time on these days, but what really happens is in the long term, what keeps it together? And so we're talking about commitment. We're talking about the hard times. And that brings us to our number two. It does, yes. Our number two secret and, ingredient. Yeah, and this is a really novel finding. So we've obviously done a literature review of studies in the past 100 years to see what they came up with. But in no study um, did this particular aspect come up. Um, so it's, it's something maybe part of the 21st century zeitgeist for this generation. So the number two secret for longevity in um, in long-term relationships is altruism. So do you want to explain altruism? Altruism, altruism. Uh, selflessness, the yeah. ability to be able to give to somebody else. And uh, altruism basically preserves the relationship. We actually are selfish and we've got to be selfish yeah. to preserve our individuality, right? Otherwise, you don't have the individuals in a relationship. But without altruism, you don't have a relationship. And uh, altruism actually exists abundantly in the natural world. We talk about survival of the fittest and we look at the, the kangaroo that will uh, survive or we look at the uh, zebra that doesn't survive and all of that. But without the parenting of male emperor penguins that will uh, sit on an egg for months or uh, a lion cub that will go out and hunt or without a gorilla that will protect his whole troop, uh, that's all altruism, laying yourself on the line for the better of the people around you. And we need some of that. And see, the nice thing about this is the latest neuroscience shows that to be able to have a relationship last, you have to be what they call a mensch. So in other words, a person who is able to give as well as take. And so the science is starting to say that, and our study confirms it, that there's a bit of giving to be done as well, right? <laughs> bit of giving, bit of sacrifice, bit of heartache. And, and some of the people that you interviewed went through some really hard times. They did. Um, we had one couple. Well, actually, we, we asked them what was the, the thing that threatened to tear their relationship apart the most. And um, so we had couples that – and it was – some of the interviews were incredibly emotional. So there was crying. There was a Vietnam vet that had to come in the room and check the room before he sat down for the interview, that there weren't any enemies there. There were people that shared the um, the deaths of their children with, with us um, uh, and severe disabilities, children with severe intellectual um, um, disabilities um, for their whole life. They've had to deal with things. There were affairs that were shared during the interviews. Um, there were, uh, the n number three threat was uh, severe mental illness in yeah. one couple, uh, one spouse in the couple. Uh, so, that yeah, it, it really was a privilege for me to hear those stories, to travel and journey with them. There was hugs, there was tears, there was pats on the shoulder. Um, uh, and, and some people even with affairs said, you know, we've never re really spoken about this before, but, you know, um, we think it's important because we got through it and, we want to share that with 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 younger couples, you know, that, that you can do it, you can get through. And the sacrifice that it takes to get through things like that, yeah, that's altruism. That's being able to say, okay, I've got to put myself on the back burner. I've got to be here for somebody else. I've got to get through this difficult time because we're stronger together 
as long as we stay together. Mm. Yeah, that was a couple quote. We're stronger yeah, together. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> we are in Brooklyn, and I yeah. think the motto of Brooklyn is in, in unity, there's strength. I think oh, Grand right. Emory oh. Plaza has a big sign on it. I love it. So, <laughs> so it, is, it is like you know, almost a, you know, a unique piece that we're talking about here. But, but it still relates back to that same commitment. Mm. Because in order for when you commit, you're going to commit that you're going to sacrifice. You're going to be able to, to take the, the punches, and you're going to have to stand by a person no matter mm. what. In every circumstances, and and unfortunately, today there are some people that that go into it, but that commitment is really not sure. It's just not in the clear. I mean, it just okay. Yeah. They say it; it's a word, but it's really not a word. It's an action, right? You yeah. you can't just say I'm committed without proving that you're committed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so so. In your travels, and first of all, I'm hearing you and, and I know these things. I don't know how you do it <laughs> because you are listening to these people and you're really into their mind, literally, because this is like, you know, their feelings, yeah. their minds. Yeah. And it's powerful stuff. It was. Uh, you know, it's, it's listen, I mean, kudos and, uh, you know, the work you do is important. And uh, you are literally making a difference in terms of how people observe their relationships and, and, and really even preserve them, I would say. Uh, now, now, when you met with some of these folks, and in the case of, let's say, affairs, mm. <laughs> that's that's a very dangerous, you know, realm. I mean, yeah. uh, that's probably one of the worst. I mean, everybody's afraid of that. And how come these folks were able to still maintain? Because what we know, typically, you cannot take someone if they actually had an affair and cheated. That, at least that's the standard that we hear all the time. From your perspective, how does that work? As far as the affairs are concerned? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I think I'll let you take that because yeah. uh, previous to, to our study, actually, most of the work has been done on studying people who have fallen apart. Mm. And the number one reason that relationships fall apart is affairs. And so because of that, we tend to think that if you have an affair, that means you can't stay together. But... Caroline interviewed the couples that stayed together, even within an affair. And so what we were interested in is, how did you do that? And there are a number of things. Firstly, forgiveness becomes important. Okay. But then also growing together. And we had one couple that actually told us that they are closer together after the affair, but also working through it. Not that I'm telling people to go out and have affairs to get closer, all right? But but you sort of go, oh, man, man, what is it about our relationship that somebody had an affair, right? So you go back into the relationship and you say, okay, maybe our relationship needed this or needed that. And then you actually commit to sacrificing so that the relationship gets that. And you actually get into a spot where the relationship can be better. And that's why we looked at the couples that made it rather than the ones that fall apart. Because yeah. if you look at the ones that fall apart, it's sort of like an affair, there's no way you can come back from that. But a lot of these couples could. Yes, there was one couple actually that um, the affair was quite fresh. It had only happened about uh, four months ago um, and the revelation of it and everything. And there was crying right the way through that interview. And um, they said that uh, there was a lot of forgiveness um, and there, there was, it was still very fresh and raw and there was so much hurt, so much hurt there. But in the end, they said, look, they realised that one of them would be on one island and one would be on another island and they'd be alone. And they have a history that they have built up that they wouldn't be able to start again. 
And this is, this is where they were at. And this was so fresh and raw. And they said, we'd rather be together because we, we're actually our, still best friends. You know, that is still that friendship. It's all of that that they've invested in their relationship to keep together. Yeah, and I want to take that story to move on to resilience, mm-hmm. right? Because resilience is a word that is difficult to understand. But um, a lot of, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, like that couple... They had to fight. They had mm. to fight for their relationship. There yeah. was a time that they did not like each other, all right, that things went wrong, but they said, no, we have to fight. And that idea of fighting, because they said, we've built up f- 42 years together, so we're not just going to walk away from that. And that fight is actually resilience, to be able to go through something that's difficult, even though you're hurting, and come out the other end and say, I have grown as a person through that and in a relationship we as a couple have grown together through that so that we are more resilient than we used to be. Yeah, and actually a really good quote from one of the couples was, um, this was a couple from Estonia and they'd been married over 60 years. And and they argued a lot too. um, And they had quite a few little tips in front of me. Um, There's a wonderful, uh, the the actual Estonian word for for, for, uh, marriage is apilu, apilu, which means work and life. So, they go into a marriage going, okay, it's life, but it's also work, you know. So it, it, it's still – and and help in helping, helping each other. Helping, yeah. yeah, sorry, that was the other part. Work, yeah. life, and help. help. So helping each other. Um, so And that goes back to altruism too. Yeah. 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 Mm. So, so that's, uh, I want to go back to one thing. I, you addressed the, the how to get over an affair, but why people get into an affair. I mean, is there – a common root cause of why people actually, I mean, you love someone, you're with them, but suddenly, you know, you find a desire to actually, you know, go outside of of that commitment. Is there any findings on that? So our uh, study didn't look at the findings as to why somebody would have an affair. And I, I discussed that there'd be something in the relationship missing for somebody to feel that they would need to do that. But the way I look at it, Hurricane, is it's a game. So, before you get married or before you say, yes, I am staying with you for the rest of my life, you're playing one game. And the game is, who do I find that I can have the best relationship with that I want to commit myself to? Mm. But once you're committed, you start playing a different game. The game is, okay, this is my person. And the game becomes, what can we do to have a great life together? What can we do to have the best relationship that we can have? And here's something about our society, all right? Our society keeps us focused on the first game because we will part with our money if we think there's something wrong with our relationship, okay? Or it just keeps you niggling, you know, maybe there's somebody better out there for you, okay? Or maybe you just keep looking. But when you go, no, 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 this is my person, and you start playing the other game, then you go, okay, what can we do to make our relationship resilient? So, Dax, one question. I know you because first of all, like you, you mentioned, so many parts of the world right there, but some of these folks have been married for sixty, seventy plus years. Yeah. Now, in some cultures, there is a prearranged concept yes. of marriage, and it seems that historically that worked, yeah. as opposed to like we have now all the open culture where you want to select your partner, yet it tends to have more devastating or disastrous endings. <laughs> Compared to the ones that were, even though, like, you think that an arranged marriage is not really compatible because you don't know who you're with, you can almost work it out through the marriage. 
So, so what is, how is that, I mean, possible that in a prearranged marriage, you know, they tended, well, these, the tradition was they tended to stay longer and, and commit to until that. And today that we have the ability to select, we still make mistakes and sometimes deselect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I suppose this highlights uh, one of the aspects about our relationship is our relationship is not looking at how to select a partner. It looks at what happens after you've selected a partner mm -hmm. and what you can do to keep it together. Our relationship study is doing that. Our relationship that. Yeah. study mm -hmm. is doing that. That's right. So our relationship study is doing that. And so if a relationship was uh, prearranged or if it was a love match, it's still the same things that are needed to keep it together. Mm. Commitment, altruism, shared values, good communication, give and take, all of those sort of things are needed no matter how you got together. They're the stuff that you need to make the relationship resilient. Go into the ingredients. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. So we've got commitment, number one. Yeah. And then we've got altruism, number two. Altruism, number two. And number two. three is shared values. Shared values. And that's quite a novel finding too, actually, yes. because um, a lot of the couples said that they forged their values together. Um, or uh, some of them even said, you know, we've got really opposite personalities, but we've got the same values. And that was their glue. And, 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 Really, Christian and I have opposite personalities <laughs> in so many ways, but shared values is is our glue in, yeah. in many ways too. Yeah. So keeping those values because they're the things that are, that's the river that's underneath that keeps people going. Yeah, and you asked about uh, different cultures. And mm -hmm. so we had um, uh, quite a few couples that were cross-cultural marriages. Yes. And that's always interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it, it does become more difficult, yeah. right? It, yeah. it, it's like you're, you're in the Olympic Games. If you're doing the, the double synchronized dive, you get more points if you do a more difficult dive. So people who are in cross-cultural relationships perhaps are doing a more difficult dive. But it is actually shared values that becomes the glue in the relationship for a lot of cross-cultural marriages and relationships. Uh, well... That's a difficult one, but but certainly when you select, when you accept the concept that you are marrying into a different culture or yeah. a different, you you already accepting that fact. So therefore, you're willing to to make the leap. And sometimes you find the two parties almost learning about the other culture to actually yeah. make it work. And again, it's mm. that commitment to make it work, and you mm. do whatever it's necessary to do it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but but to your point, that's more difficult. Yet the results are. Not, not, they're good. They're yeah. working. Yeah, they're they making are, it. They are. And, and what you articulated just there, uh, Hurricane sort of encapsulates the difference. If you, if you marry somebody that's in your street, okay, um, the values are going to be so much the same mm -hmm. that you don't have as many uh, challenges, mm -hmm. all right? So maybe there's more harmony there. But if you marry somebody that's from the halfway across the world, you may have to learn a new language. Uh, you may have to <laughs> learn new customs. Uh, Food. <laughs> but the result is something quite enriching. Right. And, and so you can sort of say, oh, wow, wonderful result. But a lot of work goes into it. That also goes, uh, it, you can extrapolate that into opposite personalities too, yeah. because there's such a big difference there. And interestingly, that was one of the glues, uh, opposite yes. personalities. I don't remember, it was like 12 or something. No, I was number 15. 15. But that there, was, yeah. they were actually saying that that was yeah. a strength in their relationship because they, they, they had to work harder, yes, but they went deeper and they learned so much. Their lives were really enriched by that. And because this, the book actually cites over 900 scientific studies in it too. And some of the studies, the most recent studies coming out are saying that 
opposite personalities are actually quite good yeah. and and um, uh, and can actually strengthen commitment well, too. Well, it's the yin and the yang, right? you, you got to mm. complement each other. Yeah, yeah. But that you, always works. That's right. But if you, if you look at the couples that, uh, that divorce, then, you, then a lot of couples will say, oh, we divorced because we have incompatible personalities because yeah. we were too different. Mm. And that's why we did our study on the couples that stayed together. And we had couples saying, yep, we're together because we're opposite personalities and we learn from each other and we can use this person's strengths and that person's strengths. So it's not a rule that this is what you have to have or this is what you don't have. <laughs> Choice becomes really important. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because, uh, you know, I thought about my wife. Yeah. She's, when, <laughs> whenever we're together, I'm the mouthpiece. <laughs> she puts me in a talk. <laughs> so that's my strength. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so everybody's got strengths. their own way. Uh, yeah. And so, and, but identifying those differences, yeah. I think mm. that can make a difference. But so a question that I'm not sure if, if it was found in your studies and, and, and definitely in the book. Now, relationships, two people are great. They can make it work. But then sometimes you have influences from their families oh. or, or their, their best friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think a lot of it is like if you listen to the, the voices, right? That's usually sometimes you can have a great, you know, why, what are you yeah. doing with her? What are you yeah. doing with him? Yeah. And then all the parents, like, you know, getting involved in, in the decisions. Yeah. Uh, now you have kids. Everybody wants to actually raise the kids with you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how, what was the finding in, in terms of those, those elements I just mentioned? <laughs> okay, so this is actually a good time to mention that the study was put into context of pressures. So um, the pressures of today is hyper-individualism, mm-hmm. uh, mental illness, but also social isolation. Mm. And there are a lot of families that because of conflict within the family, like I don't like the person that you married, I don't like the person that you're with at the moment, they see less of each other. And so we're getting a lot more isolated. And what the science shows is that we're actually very susceptible to what people around us think. So if you have a parent or a sibling that doesn't agree with your love choice, Mm. That's going to be a pressure. It's going to be a big pressure. Oh, and you stop. need to... Be, yeah. <laughs> will, will we... <laughs> yeah, you about that one. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> we have it too. <laughs> but um, there, it was really extreme in some cases because... Um, in-law interference was number five threat to the relationships. Mm, yeah. So we actually had one couple um, where the uh, the father and the father-in-law threatened to lie down on the runway um, if, if, uh, uh, if this couple moved overseas um, away from their home um, to, to stop them going. There was, and, and there was so much pressure um, in some of the couples. One couple actually, Olga and Raul from uh, Paraguay, the uh, there was 120 people invited to the wedding. 28 showed up because they didn't like um, the, the the wife that the, the husband was marrying. So and, and they're still waiting for this couple to divorce. So there there is so much pressure in certain couples on, from in laws. It was just really mind blowing to hear the pressure that they were under. But what they did is. It was the you and me against the That's world right. sort of attitude that they took. That's right. See, you and me against the world. And this is this is the resilient relationship. Yeah. They said, no, they're not going to break us. We're yeah. going to stay together. We're going to work as a team. Mm. And they did. And so they're still together after 50 years, Hurricane. Well, mm. I mean, I, I, I want to, you know, it's, an ex- it's a true story. My, my parents, you know, they did not want my my mother's family uh, my father's family they didn't want my mother <laughs> right. and 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 for years they were literally a little bit not happy about that but they still married about 
50 plus years. So, yep. Great. Uh, you know, but, but it was it was a challenge in the beginning. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, it was it was always like, you know, them versus them and, you know, us. Yeah. And, and, so. you, and as a kid, you're in between. I think that's another thing mm. that sometimes you have children. Mm. They're also like almost like ripped apart between, mm. you know, those those currents and everybody's pulling their way and it's difficult. Mm. So so financials. Was that, you know, any level where the financials are kind of very drastic for people's relationships? Well, that's really interesting. It was one of the threats, um, but it was very low. It was like number 10 or something, you know. Really? Um, yeah, it, yeah it, really, it really didn't impact. I think it's, that was a generational thing too. Okay. Um, but, I mean, some of them uh, had extreme poverty um, coming to a new country. So some of them obviously were immigrants um, and some of them um, still were very, very poor. Uh, but they, they really clung together together through it. Uh, what's interesting, because we did ask some questions, you know, who manages the finances and everything, and it was quite often the women that manage the finances in the households. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there, again, there's a generational um, difference there because uh, the attitude to finances has changed quite a bit, yeah. And I think that would have been something that um, uh, some of the younger question, uh, couples ask that question, you know, what about finances? How much pressure does that put on your relationship and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, doctors, have you found in, in the study where someone bails on the other party because they're no longer fit physically, I would say? <laughs> Somebody what? Fit physically or like, you know, they're no longer attracted to them, uh, whether through their sexual life or personal life or just just they're not attracted to them anymore yeah uh well again we saw the couples that that were still together that that still sort of made it okay so it means so, that yeah. they that they yeah. would have found some way to stay attracted. it didn't matter for them no in fact the attraction was actually well because we were talking <laughs> to the people who'd made it right uh, what was it? 84% of the couples were still so sexually, sexually active? active, yes. But they have a different uh, perspective of, of romance, yes. you know, because um, I did ask them the romance question. And it uh, for so many of the, the, the women was like, I hate having flowers. They just die, you know. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, right. Don't do not do that, you know. Um, let's just go and watch a sunset together. That's the most romantic thing for me or, you know, that, that he... That he he always, you know, makes me a cup of tea when I want it. He knows me. And it was lovely because, or, or he finishes my my sentences, you know. Um, I had couples that one had been away in, in a war situation and she had 120 um, handwritten letters and she said she wanted to be buried with them. So there's some be there were some beautiful romance stories of what romance was for them. But it, it a lot wasn't to do, to do with appearances, Um as much, obviously, in this cohort. Actually, some of the, the things were just comfort, just being there, just being comfortable to be with each other and not say anything for hours, just being in the same room, reading together or um, just eating, or but not having to say anything, not having to feel that gap of, of, uh, uh, of silence. So, yeah. Well, you, you know, you were talking about cruising earlier. And in, in the cruise ship, I see a lot of that. Yeah, you know, mm. couples, they're just relaxing, everybody's got their book, and yep. they're, they're just enjoying, they do their own thing. That's the other thing, the ability to be flexible. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like, you know, because yep. there are, again, some people are possessive, like, you mm. you want to do everything together, and sometimes that becomes overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, was, was there a finding about that in terms of where a little bit of breathing, you know, is, yeah. is room is, is, is necessary? Uh, yeah, so one of the the top ingredients was actually the ability, uh, the ability to tolerate, be patient, and to forgive the other person. So 
when we talk about forgiveness, we we go to things like affairs, but tolerance is something like maybe the two of you go at a different pace. That one person is used to going fast and somebody just likes to take things a bit slowly or somebody likes to plan everything and somebody likes to be just a bit more spontaneous. And all of these little differences that you experience on a day-to-day basis, that actually needs tolerance, just the ability to be able to just leave it there without resolving it. Yeah, and separate time and interest was an important thing for some couples and other couples did absolutely everything together. So as you were saying, Christian, it's it's so different for each couple. Yeah. But um it it wasn't, you know, one or the other, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So so one of the implications of our study actually is that rather than having rules saying this is what couples must do for a relationship to work, that couples therapists take the time to sit down with their couple and say, Okay. How does your relationship work? What do you guys do that works well? Uh, Where have you found solutions to problems? Because every relationship, and I've found this in my own practice, works differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people know how to handle each other. And you actually become an expert in handling the person that you're with. Uh, because you know them better than anybody else and they know you better than anybody else. So you find a way of making that work. But sometimes people can end up in patterns that just don't work terribly well. And that's the place for a therapist to sort of say, okay, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not that there's not love there. It's just that you're in this pattern. And uh, if we can get rid of that pattern, then perhaps the love will flow a bit more easily. Yeah, it was interesting um, when you, you were saying there's there's this and there's that. And I talked about the couples that finish each other's sentences, but there are the, then there's the couples that argue all the time. Yes. Um, and they're in a different kind of a holding pattern with that. But but it still works. Um, so we I had one that was a Republican and one that was a Democrat. And they're, they're still married after, I think it's 45 or 46 years now. And yeah, they were one of the couples that argued all the way through the interview. You. Um, uh, <laughs> actually, she was from Israel and he was American. And it, it was so so fascinating to watch. But there was so much love underneath. Yes. Um, and, and there was even respect of each other's perspectives. They didn't agree with each other and couldn't believe that, that they, they thought these things. But they, they said, well, well why, why would I go, you know, why, 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 why would I leave her? Why would I leave him? You know, we we have so much in common. This is this is our language. We, we speak this way to each other. This is our form of communication. And, and it works. It worked for them. And they brought up three wonderful children and, yeah. So it, the book itself is for, I guess, therapists to help primarily. Yeah. But it, it could also be for individuals to actually really uh, get the values from the experiences and the interviews yes. and all these nuggets that you discovered. I mean, they're really tools to help people get better. Uh, now, someone who's seeking therapy, there's a good chance they're having a tough time. Yeah. And so so they'll come in with really like a bad situation. And the role of a therapist is really to to diminish that. And as they walk up from there, they'll, and we see it in movies, we see it in general, you know, like they go through the couple sessions and then all of a sudden, like, you know, they're happy. And then they, at least they get enough tools to get restarted. Yeah. And and maybe remove some of the obstacles and and the challenges that they had. Yeah. Uh, now, in the book, you have all these stories. Uh, I believe stories, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So the stories, and then you also have the different, you know, steps. Yeah. All right. Now, someone can literally use that just by itself. 
Yes. Or do you need absolutely. someone to be with you to actually guide you through this? No, you can. You can you can read this book and know that there are steps that you can take to preserve your relationship. In fact, one of the main points that the book makes is that sometimes it's not, well, actually most of the time, it's not one person's fault or the other person's fault. We live in a society that is moving against relationships at the moment. There's a nature of our society. So in other words, the way that we live is making us more isolated, it's giving us more mental health problems, and it's making us uh, think about ourselves first. So in other words, a couple, rather than blame each other, could actually form a team and say, you know what, this is a strange society that we're in. I mean, it's wonderful in a lot of ways, but it's got a few drawbacks. So if we become a team, we could actually make it. And all of that is in this book. Mm. That's... That's, that's like the Bible for relationships. <laughs> yeah. but, but really, I mean, you're right. I mean, the team concept yeah. is, is, is everything. Yeah. You yeah. cannot go into a relationship and expect that one is going to be the leader and the other one is the follower. I mean, yeah. I think that's really what destroys the relationships. Mm. Uh, the minute there's one that is overlapping, I think that's where it becomes disastrous. It has to be yeah. a, a, an equal balance. Okay, and, to, and so that brings us to the hyper-individualism of today's age where we have to look out for, number one, ourselves first. And that's what ends up in a power struggle. But it, the relationships that make it get this attitude of you and me against the world. If we can be a team, sure, you're going to have your little power struggles within the team, but, but by and largely, if you're there supporting each other and you want the other to do as well as you do, then it's going to be you and me against the world, and you can win. Teamwork makes a dream work, right? Yeah. <laughs> Teamwork <laughs> makes a dream work. Yeah. I mean, I, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, and, and you, there's reasons for that. I mean, especially, I mean, you got young couples that may not have kids, but then you have also kids that come into a relationship. You really, now you become a bigger team. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Now you have, cause, and cause, standing on the same side, too, which a lot of the couples emphasized. Standing on the same side with their values, which that's why shared values was number three, so that when they're a united front in front of the children, um, so it's not this pull, this back and forth. So it's very, uh, very important. Uh, so, so true, true story. Yeah. Again, I, I always try to give some, some reference, you know, but my kids, you know, like, they, they they know this. They cannot go to mom and, and expect her to have a different outcome or different oh, response. So yeah. good. They go to her, they, they know like she's gonna tell me, I'm gonna tell her. You know, there's no like, you know, dad said, mom said, no, you, you tell me it's the same thing. You tell her it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna work that way. Cause sometimes they try to do that. So for those couples that have kids, you know, that's a game kids play, but it wouldn't work <laughs> <laughs> if you have that sync, you know, mentality and you're really working as, as a unit. And, and it makes a difference. And then the kids know that. Mm. So, so this is our official book launch in the States. Yes, right? it is. This is officially, we're coming to the end of the show, but this is really officially the launch of Resilient Relationships, the book, in the States. Now, doctors have been literally around the world promoting the book already. And so this is a big place. And I think in the U.S. we have a need for this. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think we, we hear a lot of stories about relationships and, and, and the lack of, you know, uh, I guess working and divorce is, is at a high you know, a peak, I would say. Uh, maybe it's more than most of the other nations. I don't know. Uh, in the States, yes, it is. It is, yes. <laughs> Just want to confirm. <laughs> and, and that's really, you know, because of all the... Uh, see, we talked about everything that's working in relationships. So, so if we look just at that, that's really what we need to worry about. 
you just have to focus on those elements. The book's going to give you every single reason why you could make it, despite all the challenges, because, I mean, it addressing all the challenges that these couples faced, yet they still made it. And again, now, obviously, people have a choice. If you're in a relationship that is completely suffocating, I mean, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. there are, I guess, reasons why sometimes you cannot proceed, proceed yeah, in a relationship. Yeah. But for the most part, if you have the right partner, it's worth making it work. We say it's the most selfish thing you can do to be in a long-term relationship. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to take care of it. Yeah. Because when you're in a long-term relationship, this is what the science says, you've got better physical health, you've got yes. a better emotional health, you've got better, uh, better uh, relational health. Uh, it protects you against unhappiness, against depression, against anxiety, against addictions, and mainly against suicide, particularly mm. for men. Ooh. So... There's not a pill that can do all of this for you, but it's a lot of work, all right? Well, <laughs> it so, takes so, a bit of effort. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, a lot of effort. But, but, yeah. but doctors, you mentioned suicide. Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> we can spend another hour on that one. But, yeah. but, but so, so we have a few minutes. How, how close suicide is to relationships? I mean, you know, the relevance of it and, or like, you know, the challenge of it, it's real. Yes, it, it's very real, particularly for men. Uh, men who are divorced or single are at six times the rate of suicide risk than a married male. Uh, for a f six times. So that's, that's Ooh, huge. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> for women, it's, it's not that big. But the, but the thing is that together we're stronger. In fact, we're in a relationship where we're now getting red pill cultures and black pill cultures, which are, are basically a very nihilistic approach to life because people can't find relationships. And uh, one of the things that grieves me as a psychiatrist is that people are missing the point of relationships and are not seeing their lives progress forward because they can't see themselves in these long-term relationships. And Hurricane, this is one of the reasons that we wrote this book because we are the end of a generation that kind of knew how to do relationships or there were a lot of people yeah. who did. Yeah, most definitely. And we wanted to capture how they did it, what it was. Now, I know that not every relationship is going to make it and I know that not everybody wants a long-term relationship, mm -hmm. but our study shows that overwhelmingly young people do want their relationships yeah. to last. And so if that's what you want and you want to choose it, these are the ways to do it. Well, <laughs> I think we've covered a lot of ground yeah, here. We have. I mean, definitely. Uh, so, so folks, there will be a link to where the book is available, and there's also a discount code for that. Yeah. So please do check out my links, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to get your copy. I personally recommend it. I think it's, it's there for a reason, and uh, they did a lot of work to help people. If you think that there's a need for it or you know someone who needs it, I think that's that's just as appropriate. It could be a good gift. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you know, you never know who needs it, you know, uh, and, and it's going to make a difference. And probably they're going to thank you for it. Um, so any last, you know, words of wisdom today, you know, in this particular show? There are a lot of people who have had long-term relationships that would like their children and their grandchildren to have long-term relationships as well. Um don't blame each other. We're in a culture that's working against relationship, but uh, against relationships. But as Caroline said, the most selfish thing that two people can do is take care of their long-term relationship. Caroline, that's it. I think that's the one. It's 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 tough. Some of the couples I interviewed told me they'd been to hell and back again, but they made it. They committed to each other and they stuck at it.
Stickability. Yes, stickability. <laughs> if you're like going that. through hell, <laughs> keep going. The gold is there, there. and the right. gold is there. And you go through the tough bit, bits and it actually makes you stronger together. Yeah. Quick question. How long have you been together? <laughs> you know the maths. I'm useless <laughs> at this. I've forgotten. 30-something. Okay, we're coming up to 33 years. There we go. Yeah. 33. There I you do go, it. folks. I mean, here's an example, right? It's it's working. It works. And I'm sure it's not always peachy, no. but they make it work. <laughs> we make it work. We yeah. make it work. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, so, doctors, it, it's a true honor, a pleasure as always. This is more than, than I thank for. I mean, I, uh, I'm so excited about having you here in person. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to our studio here. Uh, you know, this is Brooklyn Podcasting Studio with Josh, you know, behind the scenes doing the magic. Uh, thank you, Josh. <laughs> thank you, Josh. Um, and and yeah. Hurricane, thank you very much. It's just been a pleasure working with you in person for the first time in two and a half years. And yeah, yeah, it's we, wonderful for us to be. Here. Yeah. I think we got to do more. Maybe next time I go to the the land on it. You can no, come to Australia right. and visit nice. us. That's right, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, this is the end of the show. Hope you've enjoyed it. There's a lot of good stuff here. Um, definitely, again, it is a, a book launch, and uh, we want to get this in front of you as much as possible. As many of you that can take you know advantage of this, please do. Uh, and that's it. So I'm Hurricane H. We'll be talking to doctor, you know, doctors, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say, in the next month. At the end, usually it's the end of uh, the last Friday of every month. That's where we did the show. They'll be back home and then we'll have, we'll resume our standard uh, show. Uh, bye for now. Wow, 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 wow.